Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discussing pop culture with a geeky bent, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? I am super duper, Steve. How are you? I'm very excited. Very excited. Uh, I'm hot, hopped up in sugar. Oh, good. I've got, uh, to be extra special and Scottish about it, I've got uh, a big tumbler here of iron brew. Of ginger, Chris. <laughs> uh, now you see, I, I am exactly the opposite. I am... Uh, I've cut out sugar for the time being. Oh. Uh, because I've I've succumbed to the disease of fat. Uh, it had sort of surrounded my body. So <laughs> in order to try and encourage it to leave, <laughs> I've, cut, I've cut right back on sugar and carbs. Oh, well, I will try not to rub your face in it too much as I'm enjoying Scotland's own nectar. Mmm, <laughs> another delicious sip of iron brew. <laughs> It always goes down smooth. No one down here like understands it. No one down here. Nobody wants gets to enjoy it. it. Nobody gets it. My my wife when she the one and only time she ever tried it said it tasted like uh medicine, but not in a good way. <laughs> and not in and, a good way. <laughs> and I was like, it definitely does taste like medicine, but but I think in a really good way, you know? Oh. It's well like we chugging should, cowpole. We we should exactly we should do a podcast on our favourite medicines to chug. Uh, yeah. Cowpaw, Dimitina Elixir. Dimitina Elixir. Yeah. They're Hall of Fame. They're Hall of Famers, <laughs> right there. Thank you, Doctor McCaddy. You, <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really gave us something there. These are some deep Eastco Bright cuts we're giving <laughs> you right now, folks. Even even the most devoted of listeners that aren't our mum will not get <laughs> will not get what we're talking about. Oh, uh, well, and nothing to do with the subject matter whatsoever, as well. So. No, it's very true. What are we talking about this week? So we're not talking about a specific film or show. We are uh, going into the Wayback Machine a little bit because uh, this month, uh, when this podcast drops, um, there is the first, well, the, the the newest iteration of the, the Star Trek franchise. And for those of you who are listening right now and going, oh God, Star Trek, just just listen along because we're not going to go deep into the, the, the nerdy nitty gritty we're going to talk about um, kind of our shared love of it, Chris, uh, from mm-hmm. when we were younger. Um, why we kind of fell out of love with it uh, for quite a while. Uh, why we've come back to the franchise, as they call it in, in Hollywood. And finally, we'll, we'll go through kind of some some top eps, some top films maybe, uh, and, and share our kind of hopes and fears for for the new show, at Star Trek Discovery, which launches on Netflix uh, at the end of September. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I have a Star Trek story. A lot of people do have one. My Star Trek story is... the One of the earliest memories I have is rooted to Star Trek. Apparently, um, my love of Star Trek was behind... goes beyond this, but my, one of my earliest memories... I'm not even sure if you were alive yet, Chris. But um, we were... <laughs> that we, golden age you had, those four and a half years when I wasn't there. But I, exactly, right? So yeah. we were walking home... Uh, it was a summer's night. I was walking home with some family friends of ours. Uh-huh. And my mum turns around to me. Just we're about 10 minutes away from home. And she says, oh, Steve, I forgot to tell you, Star Trek's on tonight. And I went, what? And I ran home. And this was in our old house, Chris. So you would not really have many memories of it. No, I'd have been a baby if, if I was. If you were even alive, you it was a baby. I can't even remember. If you, I think you were in the buggy. And I ran home. So excited that Star Trek was on, but so annoyed that my mum hadn't told me. Ran <laughs> home into the house. I can't even remember if she gave me keys. It might have been back in the old days where you didn't even lock you didn't even lock your door. No. I just ran in. And slid into the living room, 
like you would your DMs on Twitter, yeah. and put on the TV, found it was on, and it was through Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And I threw in a tape as fast as possible into the machine, hit rewind, and as soon as it stopped, hit record, so that I would forever own a piece of Star Trek. It was the last 40 minutes of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, which probably is, explains one of the reasons why it's still my favourite today. Mm-hmm. At the end of that tape, because it was only a 60 minute tape, Chris, I couldn't even gotten all of it anyway. But at the end of that tape, I would watch that last 40 minutes for years, with you, without you. So I can quote <laughs> the end of that film in the top of my head. That includes when Spock and Kirk have their emotional goodbye. <laughs> of all the souls I've known. Yours was the most human. human. <laughs> well done. Good Shatner. Good Shatner. Good Shat. Top Shat. <laughs> Um, so I would watch this tape over and over again until until the, the sixty minute VHS. Can you even imagine VHS? Yeah. And even imagine and it's just a sixty minute tape. But the end, the last 10, 20 minutes, Chris uh, was another show that was on there, and I, it was actually a it was my tape, and it was Glenn's Cartoon Cavalcade, which is another deep Scottish cut. <laughs> right? Again, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this podcast and you're Glenn's expecting Cartoon Cavalcade, Jesus right? Yeah. And it was set on a spaceship. Like he, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a spaceship, and he would introduce um, cartoons. And it was a Scottish man in a V-neck sweater with a lamp which had like a mini kilt on it. That was Scottish children's TV in the eighties, by the way. Glenn's Cartoon Cavalcade. Look it up. Yeah. But apparently, my love of Star Trek goes even beyond that. So apparently, when I mum um, was at home and looking after me, she would watch repeats of the old original series. Yeah. Uh, with me and her knee. But I don't know, Chris, if you have a, a similar story or whether you did you just pick it up from me? Yeah, well, I mean, I oft I oft sort of said that my my love of Star Trek was kind of inherited because, yeah, you know, obviously mum used to watch the original series uh, with you and then you you sort of uh, got into, you know, you had your love of the Wrath of Khan and, and you, you then got into Next Gen and stuff. Um, my earliest memories are of, of Next Generation right? Um, and watching that with you religiously every yeah. single evening every um, single day it was bbc2 like five o'clock six o'clock yeah it was on so somewhere in that region it was it was part of the day it is as much part as as getting up brushing my teeth getting dressed it was watching star trek and it's 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 crazy really because i mean the original star trek probably would have been better suited for my age because it was bright and colorful and mm. kind of campy um, whereas Next Gen was a bit more serious drama, gravitas, you know, at times anyway. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just, I think I, I loved it because I, I sort of, it was just part of everything. I loved, you know, I love the situation when I was watching it with family. Mum would often watch it with us as well. My favorite episodes of it at the time were always the more kind of action oriented ones, you know, sure. when the Klingons turned up or the Romulans turned up and they'd have a little bit of a Barney. Which I realized years later when I rewatched the show were actually few and far between. They really oh, yeah. didn't happen very often at all. But yeah, so my my love of it was, yeah, very much just inherited from you. It was something you and I did together. Yeah. Um, and and just kind of became ingrained so much so that if I went an evening without watching Star Trek, it just felt weird. I actually remember um my first reaction. So we we talk we're in a, we're really in an age of overreaction, aren't we? Where mm. you know whether it's Star Trek or anything else, I think um, recently in the news there was talk about like DC Extended Universe madness <sighs> and Star Wars, uh, all sorts. 
and Twitter goes into meltdown. Facebook is even like a dumpster fire. It's absolutely terrible for for everything, not just um, <laughs> pop culture. <laughs> and um, we seem to think that we live in an age of overreaction, and we do. But I remember being, um, I think by the time it came over to the UK, I think I was seven. And my mum, <laughs> so at this point we'd moved house, you were um, quite young, but I uh, was uh, seven or eight. And my mum says again, like this is a, this happens again and again, my mum shouting out, oh, Star Trek's on. I go, great, which one? Because my love at that point was um, was the movies. I uh-huh. loved the movies. The old uh, first six movies with Kirk and all that. And they've got these like red maroon, maroon uniforms. Yeah. Really kind of militaristic looking and stuff. <laughs> and she said, oh, just say Star Trek. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. this, already at this age, I'm like, mum, you're wrong whatever yeah you're talking shit <laughs> so she, exactly like what is it one is it six i actually have a weird recollection where i saw two first and then yeah. saw one and i thought that was the way around it was and i was always confused why they changed uniforms and everything well, i think too yeah, well to understand that i think by that point i think f- i think five might have been out but i don't think six was out at that point um, oh yeah because uh again one of my really early memories is going to see star trek six in the cinema that was the first one um, we saw in the cinema, didn't we? We saw it together yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, but more on that later. Absolutely. So mum shouts out, it's on. I go on, it's BBC Two, and I turn it on. <clears> and it's, in, it's Encounter at Farpoint, which is the, the pilot episode of The Next Generation. And it's full on 80s, right? It's 1987. Yeah. They're in their skin tight unis. There's men wearing skirts because Gene Roddenberry was a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the famous scants and all that stuff. And I'm looking at it. And even at seven year old, I'm kind of sitting there mouthing, what the fuck is this? we were foul-mouthed children that is another thing we really that's something to know about us as well we uh you you called mum a bitch because she played the turtles game before you'd had a go at it i may have done that no you definitely did i I remember it was a really dark day she 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 really was not happy with you my wife still doesn't understand when i say certain things she thinks i'm serious about it but i just launch into invective all the time (laughs) And she thinks I'm being really hurtful and mean. I'm like, no, what the fuck? Shut up. No, we, just, we, just, we just dick on each other. We're fucking around. <laughs> I'm breaking your balls. Come on. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I put on Next Generation for the first time. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Who are these people? What is this ship? I just couldn't understand it. But it was definitely, <laughs> yeah. I could, could kind of get that with Star Trek. They said Enterprise. There was a ship. It was a baldy captain. It not, was not, hashtag not my enterprise. Hashtag not would, my captain. Would have Eric. been trending if Twitter existed. I, I, exactly. And one of the things I didn't realise being a kid was that um, out there in the real world with the Trekkies and the conventions, they fucking, they were not ready for the next generation. I mean, you think about the, the reactions that people give now to social media, mm-hmm. uh, to these things. Um, it was like, if it's not got Kirk and Spock and McCoy in it, then it's not my trick and everything. I couldn't yeah, believe it's, that. But it's, it's I had the same reaction. Yeah. I had the same reaction as a boy. But because it was on every day at five o'clock on BBC Two, very soon I watched a lot of it and really got into it. And just like you, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with the next generation um, for the most part, as well as the films. Um, and I do remember them showing the original series eventually on BBC. And I couldn't quite get into it when I was younger. No. Well, I think, again, you know, if, if you watch it when you're super young, it's very enjoyable because like i say it's just bright and, and campy you know it's like uh, like like that old batman film that we watched a hundred times with adam west like just if you come at if you hit it at the right age you'll love it and it's perfect yeah. 
Uh, and then if you come to it, you know, the original series when you're a bit older and you can appreciate, you know, uh, at least the episodes that have, you know, strong moral debates and, and things like that, you'll really love it. But if you kind of hit it at that age where you just want a bit of action or a bit of fun and you're just like, what is this? And, well, you know, why are these guys just rolling around on the floor and pretending to be fighting? So, <laughs> it that, can't that's be... obviously not Kirk Luke. <laughs> Thinking back to, to those younger days, Chris, apart from the fact that I watched it, I mean, what did you enjoy about it when you were a kid? And, or even when you weren't a kid? I mean, what did you enjoy about it? Um, I don't know. I think it was very comforting. Uh, just, you know, something about it. Again, what I love about The Next Generation is what I hate about any TV show today um, <laughs> that I don't, you know, any any TV show that I dislike, uh, which is, you know, it was kind of episodic. You could just dip in and out. It didn't matter if you missed an episode, you know, there was no continuing plot threads that you had to hold in your head. You knew the characters and every episode was was a fresh new adventure. And, you know, they were always discovering something fun, something new. You know, I liked... Humour was kind of not not that often utilised in Star Trek. Or at mm. least, um, you know, it was never at the fore. Or very rarely at the fore. But whenever it was, that, that blew my mind. And, um, you know, and there's some very, very good comedic actors in there. Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner are, uh, are actually incredibly good at, at comedy. Oh, um, yeah. So I loved that. I actually, quite liked, I actually quite liked Wesley Crusher. I know that not many people do, but again, I was a kid, and he was a kid, and he was on the Enterprise, and so for every for every Trek fan, again, that was probably saying, they're idiots. They're just trying to appeal <laughs> to kids by putting some kid on the bridge, and I'm supposed to believe that this Wunderkind just saved the Enterprise. And I was just like, oh my god, that kid just saved the Enterprise. How cool was that? Um <laughs> I'm not sure whether I did like the character of Wesley or not. I mean, a teenager who was on the bridge and everything. But I also had the feeling that I wanted to be him yeah. because I was such a nerd. And one of the things I would do is uh, in our spare room, I had a couch, Chris, and I also had an electric keyboard. Do you remember the electric keyboard that we owned? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was yours specifically, I think. It was. Well, yeah. no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was bought for the family or mum or dad or someone with some sort of talent for music which never reared its head really but uh-huh. it sat in that room without any batteries for the most part there was a plug-in and i would <laughs> i would grab it sit in the couch and then swing it back and forth like i was on the bridge and i was <laughs> sitting where data or wesley were and I, i'd be like yes captain and like flick the things up and down like i was going to warp speed seriously i was that yeah. sad i really no, you see, really the thing is, i was <laughs> like I, I guess while we're talking about it i should dig into this because i was way sadder than that and and what, what's kind of interesting about that is you always had to hide that because as the older mm. brother you, you know i remember <laughs> especially you hit the age of about 10 i think right. and you came home one day and you were like throw away all my toys i'm grown up now and <laughs> had just decided and and this will be no surprise to anyone that knows you you know steve grew up very young <laughs> he decided I'm I'm a grown up now, so he wanted to move down to the downstairs room that was an office, and he had a little desk lamp and a typewriter where he'd, you know, uh, pen his novel, I suppose. Oh, oh whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> right don't, to his pen. Do pals. not assassinate my character, right? If we're going to tell this, I'm not going to go at you. It. I'm very fond no, of no, you for no. these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Tell it. Let's tell it properly. So, 
There, we lived in a house. We were very lucky. We had four bedrooms. You uh, and I at times shared a bedroom and had a separate. That room was for disastrous. Like... <laughs> it did not last long. I I used to sleep beneath you because you wanted the top bunk, and instead I would push you up with my legs. Yeah. Anyway, I had the next generation poster in there as well. I remember that. Mm. But um, eventually we had our separate rooms. They were back together, and then I was like, "No, you're you're all right." I did come home one day, and I was like, "No, no toys. I don't need toys." Yeah. So I went downstairs and the spare room was kind of like an office there was a typewriter and a table i just didn't yeah. get rid of them because it was a large room there was um bookshelves as well with like all my mum's like fucking gray's anatomy and all sorts of novels and everything yeah the actual medical journal not the tv Absolutely. show mum and dad ordered me a, an, an adult or not an adult bed because it wasn't double sized but you know a, a proper bed yeah and i <laughs> stayed in there uh until we moved that's the story. I did not. I didn't go in there and then like buy a desk, buy a typewriter. No, no, no. They, they were already in there. But you know, it was part <laughs> just, of... sit, just sit there and like, tap, 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 tap. I'm writing letters and correspondence, Chris. I'm, I'm very busy. I, I don't have time to play your silly little games. But of course, being a kid, still, you did obviously want to play with toys and play with game. You know, play games still, but you had to hide it. Yeah. So I would, I would often come into my room and find toys displaced. And you just be like, I wasn't playing with him. <laughs> but absolutely. Steve, some someone was playing with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely right. I did do that. Uh, but yeah, and I also had, I still had some toys as well. But you know, I I used to play Star Trek all the time. But actually, when I was much older, probably when I was about twelve or thirteen, even mm, no, maybe not quite thirteen. Definitely eleven or twelve, though. I I had a Star Trek uniform. Uh, you might recall we bought it in Windsor. I uh, do remember. So I had my. I had my gold engineering uniform, and I had a plethora of Star Trek toys. So I had a both a tricorder and a medical tricorder. I had a phaser, um, and I would run around the house playing Star Trek. <laughs> That's right. And again, you know, it's I was always you know going in and Bruce Willising my way around a bar cube. You know, I was never negotiating peace with <laughs> you know the rubik's cubians or or whatever you know i was i was never actually quite so uh original as that exactly most most star trek episodes especially the next generation which was kind of your jam growing up was about mm -hmm. you know negotiation peaceful endeavors Diplomacy. yeah uh Riker getting his leg over and yeah. <laughs> instead you're running around like playing die hard and that yeah. really wasn't what star trek was about but it's interesting to note that that's kind of what you took away from it because it's one of the things that kind of kept me um, going with Star Trek was I had a very natural love of, of geekdom, of, of outer space, actually. When I was very young, I used to love outer space, by which I meant uh, the whole, you know, NASA and, and reading up about probes and shuttlecraft and planets and all that stuff. And I really dug outer space. And it wasn't until I kind of got older that I gravitated more towards fiction than actual science. Um, and Star Trek obviously was a, a great outlet for that, for me in that. It was really the only thing going. There was not really too many other TV shows or, you know, there was films like Star Wars. But it took a long time for me to get into Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know why, but it did. I didn't really take... I mean, I remember renting the videos on Star Wars and kind of enjoying it. But then thinking, I'd much rather watch Wrath of Khan than Return of the Jedi again. Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, it wasn't what really... shit? It wasn't really until I watched Star Wars with uh, a family friend of ours, Pat, mm -hmm. and Dad, and they were laughing so hard at like, Harrison Ford and and the robots and everything. And I was like, "Oh, um, I'm supposed to laugh. Okay, this is quite enjoyable." 
and I kind yeah. of I kind of started to dig it more. But I've never liked Star Wars more than Star Trek. But uh, for me, oh, the yeah. the some of the biggest things for Star Trek when I was growing up and why I loved it was obviously the 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 the, the moral compass of the show kind of naturally fit in with what our parents were teaching us as well which was that uh, you know there should be no division right so mm-hmm. we were always watching a show that had people of color um, people of different religions coming together it was always about peaceful coexistence chris and that was always the aim of the day even though occasionally there'd be bad guys and they would shoot them up the kind of natural interplay between especially the classic characters right so like mccoy and spock and, and kirk that kind of natural trifecta yeah was um was always enjoyable because you'd have the emotional kirk and the stoic spock logical spock and 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 mccoy and there were both these kind of facets of kirk's character that would help him get through the adventure of the week um with humor and pathos all thrown in together i i do remember you you said it i I was a serious man (laughs) a serious little boy growing up at times I, you know, I was I was the one that everybody else would be laughing about fart jokes and stuff. I'd be like, I really don't think that's very funny. Yeah, you know, can we not show some decorum, please? Trying to grow up too quickly. What did mum call me, Chris? What did mum call me? Do you remember? Uh, tons of this. She has some terrible names for you. Thunderthighs. <laughs> uh... Specifically about how serious I was, Chris. I don't know. She just called me Mr. Serious Man. Oh, Mr. yes, Serious Steve. Man? Mr. Serious Man. Mr. Serious Man. <laughs> well, and it wind me up as well. Mum's very good at taking the wind out of someone's sails when they're taking themselves too seriously. Uh, Any time her and I had an argument when I was growing up, I'd walk away. She'd be like, oh, here goes the drama queen storming off. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You were the emotional drama queen and I was the uh, too yeah. old um, serious old, man. Old before his time. That's That's always been you. But that, but when I was growing, so when the next generation was on, and I was growing up, um, that's very much what Trek was. It was kind of grown up from that original Trek um, show. Yeah. Some of it's maybe what people would call its downfall now is that kind of stoicism, the fact that all the characters got along. There wasn't much kind of like inter, um, wasn't much. Um, so between the between characters, there wasn't much conflict. Exactly, there wasn't much conflict between the characters, which a lot of people might nowadays look back on and see as a. Is a negative of the show. At this point, I should say that um, Deep Space Nine is my personal favourite. I think it is yours yeah, as well. And mine, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, it was the first one that I'd grown up with that I was expecting. Like, I knew the show was coming. There was an advert in Sky and everything. I was jazzed for it, although it looked weird and different. Yeah. I don't know if you had any sort of reaction like I did to Next Generation because you were younger. I mean, when you saw that was coming, did you were you excited? Did, did, you, did you fear it? fear is probably the wrong word i mean i was pretty i was probably not nervous but i don't think i was excited um because yeah much like you you know i i had a very set idea in my head of what star trek was and it was either the movies or it was next gen and i was sort of you know i was just kind of like well i'm sure this will be all right but it's not going to have picard and it's not going to have Worf. well obviously sooner or later it would but i didn't know that at the time and you know when I sort of when it, when when you hit me with the premise, I was like, so they don't move; they're just stationary hmm. on a, a space station. I was like, well, what the hell's going to happen? Are all the space time anomalies going to come to them? <laughs> and I suppose without getting too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, in terms of Deep Space Nine, the first couple of seasons, uh, especially compared to what comes after it, are pretty ropey because that was pretty much how they approached it they were like well i guess it's going to be like next generation only they don't move so in ops there's going to be a rift with you know 
chroniton particles, and that will mean Rumpelstiltskin's going to appear. Let's deal with that. Oh boy! Oh boy! That, <laughs> that Rumpelstiltskin episode's a real, <laughs> we, a real we, killer. We should. See... <laughs> We should say, by the way, that because Star Trek existed largely in an era where you had like 20 to 30 episodes a season, mm-hmm. there is a, a fair proportion a of stinkers. Yeah. I mean, definitely the good outweighs the bad. Definitely. But I mean, even, I think even the most grizzled, diehard of Star Trek fans cannot defend every episode. Uh, no. And in fact, most, you know, most have their series, which they'll defend to the hill and, and it can do no wrong but they'll shit all over the others. <laughs> and for us, that's pretty much DS9. But, you know, even we have to admit, yeah, first couple of seasons, not so hot. There's some good stuff in there, but uh, they didn't really know what they were doing quite yet. And I, what was weird about that show is if you ask any punter off the street, do you like Star Trek? They'd be like, yeah, cool, love Next Gen. I'd be like, what about the other ones? And they'll usually say, like, yeah, Voyager was all right. They never watched DS9. Nobody watched DS9. Only you and me. <laughs> well, a lot of people do, but it's still, it's, it's always interesting to see when people do watch Star Trek. Like, well, which one did you watch? And yeah, you're right. It's usually the one in the ship, and it's either Next Generation or Voyager. Usually, they don't talk about the yeah. others so much, or unless they're older, and then they talk about maybe the original series. Mm-hmm. But I think DS9 was definitely the cult sort of one of of all of them. Absolutely, you know, you, you can tell I'm a real. A real trekkie if they watched DS9 and enjoyed it, because it was the best. It, it was certainly in our opinion, but I think that, Chris, I want to kind of move on to talk about why we, we sort of started to drift away from it, because it was such a, a large part of our youth. And, I mean, what what one might call the golden age of Star Trek mm-hmm. was in that 90s period, and obviously during our adolescence, so it was very impactful on us. Yeah, But you had next generation for seven years and during that they launched a spin-off deep space nine for another seven years yeah. and during that they launched a spin-off called voyager for another seven years some of this overlapping but this went from 1987 up to about 2000 something like that mm-hmm. well that was it for a long time especially for a long time in my star trek consciousness as it were there were always two star trek shows running concurrently oh yeah so i think the first two seasons or possibly three seasons of ds9 ran concurrently with next gen and as soon as next generation finished voyager started yep. to sort of fill that void and then that ran concurrently with ds9 and then obviously solo for a couple of years i know and it and it's important to note that because certainly from my point of view chris when i was um when i was growing up and I think I got to about 15, 16, maybe. No, maybe a little bit older than that. But I was a teenager, um, going through puberty and all that wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a common reason out there where a lot of people think that Star Trek kind of fell off the TV map uh, towards 2000, whatever. And it's called franchise fatigue. And some people say that's a misnomer and other people believe in it. I believe in it because I felt it very acutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, again, going back to the age of overreaction, which we're in now, it was still the same back then. And I remember when Deep Space Nine launched, there was another space station show, Chris, which we've talked about before, Babylon 5. And for about two years, I vehemently fucking hated that show. I never watched it, but it was on Channel 4 at 6 o'clock and Star Trek was on Sky 1 at 5 o'clock or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I just I couldn't stand it. I was like... It's obviously a copycat. Two shows, space yeah. stations, come off it. 
you know, whatever. So derivative. So derivative. Until I started reading about it and everybody was saying, this is the best show. This is better than the others. This is better than all the Star Treks. You should be watching this. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe this. And I started watching it in Channel 4. As you remember, Chris, and you made fun of me yeah. for it. Oh, yeah. Well, it was... It was like it was like somebody crossing the crossing the picket line. Like was, you were like a scab to me at that point because you'd come back on your words. I know you 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 literally sat there and said, "I cannot believe you're watching this shit." Yeah, and you <laughs> and you were maybe ten years old at this point using yeah. language like that. Oh so yeah, I can't believe you doing this. And I would um I would uh, tape all the shows and then I'd catch up on the old ones which I had missed by during my hatred. Uh, mm-hmm. Buying all the VHS, I would have of course all of them in VHS. Which I then um, sold and kept all the money for. <laughs> I know, I know. I let you do that as well, thinking you'd get nothing. But never mind. That's another yeah. story for another day. But I was just <laughs> suffering from from because there was like fourteen years of the same, the same universe, different shows. Uh-huh. But I did really feel that the writers were fatigued. They were telling the same <clears throat> stories or uh, variations upon a story. If you believe there's only like seven lang- uh, stories in the english language chris mm-hmm. then how many stories are there in star trek maybe 10 um, yeah. and you already mentioned that one of them like spatial anomalies that was voyager's trick was yeah spatial anomalies. and after a while the spatial anomaly and the they Delta loved the spatial logic and after a while you were watching it thinking i don't really want to watch this babylon 5 was fresh it was different and it was yeah. as we're going to talk about with discovery here was a show that had uh, a running plot line storyline just like we watched today you know with um more grown-up shows and games of thrones and walking dead and mad men and other hbo shows it was a story that went on week to week you your characters who had uh consequences to their actions which they would then have to live with and one great one which i always um remember chris going back to the original series is one of the best episodes of the original series is the one where Kirk and Spock go back in time to save McCoy, and uh-huh. Kirk falls in love with uh, a character. Who's the name of that famous actress that plays that character, Chris? Uh, um, John G- Collins. John Collins, yeah. John Collins. John Collins was in Star Trek, yeah. and fell in love with Captain Kirk, and then dies, and Kirk is distraught. Next week, he's absolutely fine, folks. Yeah. <laughs> the love of his life is apparently it's... gone, but he is fine forever. <laughs> It's what a lot of people call like the magic reset button or like the big oh, reset yeah. button, and that that would happen at the end of almost every episode of Star Trek. It's well, how do we get back to the status quo so that next week when you turn it on, Harry Quinn, you know Harry Kim's still fine, Tom Paris is still there, nothing's changed, and nobody's missed anything. And and that for me was was really when I started to kind of move away from it. I would watch it. The new ones would be on in Sky One for each show. Um, I think uh, as well a, f- a friend of mine had, had, would get the VHS mm-hmm. uh, and we would go around the house and have a little uh, kind of watching party every month and, and see the new episodes as they came out from the States yeah. um, but my love was, 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 was Babylon 5 at that point um, and then Chris we would then start to watch other shows and I think another big one for us was probably the Whedonverse so Buffy and yeah Angel. you know that, that really started to take over our lives and that was exactly the same thing wasn't it I mean it was it was shows about consequences and as we were growing up and becoming more adult Mm -hmm. me going from pretend adult to actual adult chris going from kid to adult Mm -hmm. uh we were seeing these people in the same situations right buffy was growing up she had she'd make an action there'd be a consequence to action she'd have to live with the responsibility of that um and it was different it had uh, a bit funnier they were a bit younger it was a bit more hip uh for whatever nerddom can be i guess 
Um, I mean, how did you feel about that, Chris? I mean, that was that was my personal feeling on on kind of why I started to gravitate away from Star Trek. Yeah, I think it was a similar a similar kind of thing. I mean, I think for you, the Babylon Five thing as well. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think the thing was we tried so much other sci-fi because we were like we're Trekkies, so we're sci-fi fans. But like you say, you know, even Star Wars we didn't love uh, certainly at the time when we were quite young. Um, but we tried every sci-fi show under the sun and almost universally hated them, like Space Precinct, and let's you go know, through the list. Space Earth Precinct, Final Conflict, which was Earth. obviously another Roddenberry show. That was that was uh, we watched that. We watched to watch X Files and uh, Millennium, which yeah, was up um, and down, up and down. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we very rarely stuck with them, and we were often like, no, no, no. You know, Trek is the way. When you actually found something that was good sci-fi. You know, it it kind of it took you out of it. What what I think it was for me, very much what you say, franchise fatigue. But what I was feeling was less of the, oh, it's the same situations, it's the same scenarios. Although that very much kind of is the case. It was it was literally, I think, a matter of uh, the aesthetic of it. It's like mm-hmm. you know, especially Voyager. Even Deep Space Nine is kind of guilty of this. It's the lighting was the same. The uniforms obviously changed, but they were still pretty damn similar. The music, yeah. especially the music, did not change a tiny bit <laughs> from day one yeah. of Next Generation to Series 7 of Voyager. You had, you know, I knew, oh, this is an American act break, you know, so I'm going to have a little, hmm, <laughs> it's going to happen. And that's that's not an advert here, but that would have been an advert in the States. So that's happened. And you know, you just it, your brain starts to fill in the gaps. And I would start, I would be yeah. 10 minutes into an episode and be like, so how, you know, it wouldn't be like, how are they going to resolve the situation? It'd be like, so how are they going to hit the reset button? And I just, yeah, right. much in the same way. I started to get tired of it because it just felt, yeah, it was just more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. And especially, especially with Voyager, I just started to feel like, it was uh, so f- a famous a famous thing Trekkies say is techno babble, or I suppose that's probably yeah. a universal in sci-fi now. You know, techno babble to explain something that doesn't exist. You know, so we're we're going to call them, yeah, you know, a tachyon field, uh, a chroniton particle, something with a vaguely sciencey name that might actually be a real scientific thing, or a scientific theory. Yeah, mm, but what it means is we're seeing our dreams this week, or now. Uh, Tom and Janeway are lizard people and they're going to mate for a while, but don't worry. Right. <laughs> we'll talk, oh my God. We'll talk a bit about that in a bit. But um, yeah, you know, but the problem became where, where Techno Babble was always a necessary thing to just give us a bit of exposition to basically differentiate sci fi from fantasy. It's like, well, this isn't just happening because of magic, it's happening because of Techno Babble. Um, in Voyager, you'd have these Techno Babble problems that you didn't understand and didn't mean anything. And then they would come up with a techno babble solution, and you, as the audience, couldn't come up with that because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so you're just sitting there waiting patiently until Belana Torres is going to go. What if we used a partial phase emitter? And Jamie's like, "That's right." And then we would reverse the conduits. Exactly. And I was like, "Oh, oh, great. Um, that's really exciting. That is really up the ante." <laughs> What what one of my uh, one of my favorite takes on that and it's spot on is Futurama and Futurama has a lot of love for Star mm-hmm. Trek in that but also concede those kind of flaws and whatever and 
uh, there's an episode, it might even be the Star Trek episode they have, but there's one where they're trying to explain how to escape from the planet, and Fry goes, like, putting too much air in yeah. a balloon <laughs> to explain how it's going to blow up. And that's exactly yeah. what Star Trek in those years would do, which was they would tech their way out of a situation. They'd put themselves in a possible situation, mm-hmm. which in shows nowadays, they would be, like, real consequences for it, like someone would die or whatever. In this one, they would just tech the tech, as they call yeah. it, and get out of it. And they would explain it with, like, a metaphor. Like, if we had put too much exactly. air in the balloon, oh my god. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Why didn't I think of that? And you're like, because it's a 45-minute show, you got to wrap this up? Come yeah. on, guys. And that is... And you're absolutely right. Um, I would also agree with you on the, the aesthetic and... That's why I'm kind of excited to see where a show like Discovery is going, is it looks like a grown-up show, at least a bit more like a grown-up show, whereas after all those years of the Rick Berman-produced Star Trek, so Next Generation through to, to Enterprise, there was that same soft lighting, it was the same kind of outbreaks, it was the same um, music, and I would actually describe the Chris the music as dirge yeah. at times. Like At times it would be really memorable, but they would always seem to be reined in. Yeah. Like, only for certain episodes were they allowed to go. Um, what did actually, you said from like moment one to the last minute, actually in early, if you go back and listen to the music of 1987, yeah. Next Generation, there's a lot of synth in there. There's a lot of different things. It's actually quite unique um, and quite interesting. And then um, they, they fired that composer. <laughs> the composer was Ron Jones. He would then go on to be... Um, He's the composer for Family Guy oh. and a lot of Seth MacFarlane's uh, work. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane, of course, being another big Trekkie, hired Ron Jones and he does the Family Guy, not only the theme tune, but a lot of the incidental music. He did Ted, those films, yeah. exactly for him. Yeah, true. I mean, you did have those like, yeah, sort of twinkly synthy song, especially when there was some sort of new alien planet or something. But yeah, so I think it was very much that. And I think the final nail in the coffin you know, as you say, we moved on to other shows and you mentioned Buffy and Angel. And I think the, the other thing there is um, all of all of the old Trek is very much mm. a relic of an era of, of TV where characters did not die. <laughs> and yeah. And so, you know, the tension was never particularly high because, you know, if if I've got Riker on the operating table and Crusher goes, if we don't, you know, if we don't get the medicine he needs, he will die. I already know he can't die and won't die. He is essentially invulnerable in my mind. So hmm. I'm interested to see how the story is going to play out, but I do not feel any tension whatsoever that this character is in trouble. So then to go from that to watching, you know, uh, shows in the Whedonverse and all of a sudden, holy shit, people die. Every time Willow's kidnapped, I'm worried she might not make it. And every time, you know, something happens, I think there could be a consequence to this. It could be real and it could be lasting. Um, and so when I came, I didn't so much come back to Star Trek, but when we gave Star Trek another chance because Enterprise came along and it was like, hey, it's it's a new Trek, but it's set back in the past. So we're not going to have all that techno babble because they're not going to have all the tech. And it had all this sort of promise of, you know, it's going to be a bit dialed back. It's going to be a bit back to basics. Uh, and so you and me sort of with open heart went back and we watched on the sci-fi channel um, Enterprise. And it was exactly the same. Again, you know, the stories were note for note. The the music was all the same. The tension was non-existent. They got captured every week. And <laughs> about the same time, near enough, we were watching Firefly. On, so we were watching yeah. both of these on the Sci-Fi channel. Yeah. And I remembered a couple of weeks, we just forgot 
to watch Enterprise. And it was this unspoken thing between us. It's like, we both know it's on right now, but we're both forgetting we're just going to watch something else, anything else. And then <laughs> a little while later, we sort of started to admit to ourselves, it's like, we weren't enjoying that. No, we weren't enjoying that. It wasn't good. No. Okay. <laughs> the thing was, Enterprise had a really good pilot. So usually, usually, um, Star Trek do quite good pilots. Mm-hmm. Um Certainly, and certainly, um, the the first one of Enterprise is actually quite. I think it's quite good. Like I yeah. could watch the the pilot of Enterprise over and over. It's really good. But literally, the second episode onwards is exactly what you just described there, Chris. Which is adventure of the week. They get captured. You know, blah 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 blah. Nothing new. Like nothing really new. And, and when you go back and you watch it, and I will talk about that in a bit, you can kind of see past some of the flaws with time. But at the time, I, you, I was exactly right. I was studying in America during the second season of Enterprise and Firefly was on and struggling in the ratings. Yeah. And it killed me when Firefly got cancelled <laughs> like it did everyone else. I was one of those guys that, oh no, my brown coat. Oh, yeah. I will never love again. Like Because I, I loved the fact it was, here was a space set show on the, the other channel, different day from, from Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be more different from language to set design to the adventures they would go on yeah. the, the characters everything every every episode of that show looked like a movie like with the lighting with the the sets you know it that that show felt very very grown up but also it felt it felt higher budget even if it probably yeah. wasn't you know or at least yeah. it was just better used you know especially uh, somebody pointed something out to me uh something once about enterprise and i don't want to dick on because because it now sounds like we're just we're just pissing all over star trek and i and i, I really don't want to do that because i love it you know you see but we have to explain why why we we yeah. left the franchise as teenagers. and also why i might understand if you're sitting there now saying i don't watch star trek it's bullshit uh and i, I might say like you know i agree with you on these points but you'll then come to you know things come full circle but um yeah someone pointed out something uh once and and once you see it you can't unsee it and obviously Star Trek's a big fan of the shaky camera. There's consoles sparking. Seems very dangerous. And, uh, you know, the captain's asking, damage reports, status reports. I was like, this offline, that offline. Um, and again, you know, so we're, they're in Enterprise, but it's back in the old days. So, um, you know, instead of having shields, they have polarized hull plating. And at some point someone's like, hull plating offline. I said, well, the, the hull plating is the hull. That's me. That's like me getting in the car and going, oh, my chassis is offline. I can't drive. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But it's because they were just taking these new terms and just copy pasting them into the Star Trek parlance. You know, what should happen here? Well, Archer should bark, you know, stasis, damage report, something like that. And somebody should just yell back something's offline. Or, you know, they say manual override offline. A manual override implies that it's something non-electronic that's manual, so that if the electronic version goes offline, you can use the manual one. Why would that go offline? How could that go offline? <laughs> well, that that was the box they kind of painted themselves into. Mm. Um, was that it was going to be raw? It was going to be closer to the original series. They were going to go on these great adventures every week. And it was going to be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is what something, again, again, we don't want to dick on Enterprise, but it's, I kind of feel sorry because they did get off to the best start and it got much, much better. So it did, much better. It really yeah. did. 
but it got off to a really rough start. And exactly that, Chris. So it was supposed to be more dangerous. It was supposed to be like, no shields, no phasers. No transporters. No, no transporters, no torpedoes, except they use a transporter and a phaser in the very first episode. Yeah. And then after that, exactly that, you know, they'd be in a battle of the week and then they'd be fine mm-hmm. because it was Star Trek. And all of that, that the, the things that we um, are not praising, which is the, the 45 minute wrap up, which has its benefits and i'm sure we'll talk about that later chris uh-huh. it had the 45 minute wrap up because of something called syndication in u.s television parlance which is a basically a way of saying if you've never heard of that term that um they would resell the episodes after first run to all those local tv stations across america and that's how these tv shows made money right they would get to 100 episodes or so then they'd be sold for syndication and because the episodes could be shown out of order or they could be shown um um at weird times mm-hmm. like sometimes star trek was on at two o'clock in the afternoon on a saturday or whatever it had to be something you could dip into and dip out of within the 45 minutes whereas tv now is a lot more reliant on that kind of continuing storyline arc which is why when you look back you're like everything's reset at the end that sucks come on i want <laughs> i want kirk to be able to you know have those emotions for more than one week please you know he's supposed yeah. to be you know cut up or whatever um but there's also benefits to to having a show where you can dip in and dip out and as you find out when you rewatch this on netflix chris you know you can just dip into a certain episode mm-hmm. So we, we went away and we, we watched Firefly and Buffy and Angel and Battlestar Galactica, Space Above and Beyond. <laughs> I never watched... <laughs> that was Space... I, I enjoyed Space Above and Beyond, oh. but I have only ever watched it once through first run. I couldn't tell you if it was good or not, but I watched it. Probably doesn't... Leave it in your memories. I bet that does not hold up. I probably shouldn't go back. Anyway. <laughs> So we, we we tried a lot of other sci-fi. We grew up, um, and certainly I, after Enterprise's cancellation, I never watched any of like the last two seasons of Enterprise mm-hmm. in first run. Um, I did go see the movies, like the Next Generation movies, and then that ended. And then I think it was two thousand four was the last one, which was the horrible Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> and after that, it, it was dead. Yeah. It was it was dead. Um, and I guess where I, I kind of pushed it all away, Chris, mm-hmm. like for those years, you know, when I was watching Battlestar and, and Buffy and I was growing up and I was starting to watch things like The Wire and Sopranos and Mad Men and, and non-sci-fi TV shows. I kind of opened up the veil a bit at that point uh-huh. and went, there's a lot of other good TV shows out there. I should probably go watch them as mm-hmm. well. And I just I just kind of forgot about it. Like I didn't I didn't miss it necessarily. I didn't desire it to be back. I, I, I kind of did want it to be back in the hands of someone else yeah. and done differently. Uh, and it did eventually come back that way. I mean, what what um, what do you think specifically, Chris, kind of drew you back to it? Was the, was it the J.J. Star Trek film? Well, no, you see, there was... Or was it before it that? It was before that. There was a few different factors, really. So I think I had this very set idea in my head, which was, you know, so as we left it, you know, as you say, with uh, Nemesis was shit, Enterprise was shit, everything really ended on quite a down note. But I had I had sort of sort of told myself like well the original series is classic, uh, next gen is is fantastic, most of the movies are great, and Deep Space Nine's great. Voyager's shit, Enterprise was shit, yeah, you know, last few movies were shit, but that's all fine. So I sort of I'd, I'd written a narrative in my head that the show had gotten right. worse. It wasn't me that changed; it was the show. 
Um, whereas, as I said, it's, it's quite the opposite. The show never changed. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just sort of grew out of it a bit, I suppose. And yeah, like you say, it was fatigue. It was, it was a lot. We watched it a lot. Um, mm. <laughs> so, you know, there was years away and I had never watched Star Trek by myself. Never, ever. I'd always watched it with you. If I was watching Voyager, it was your friend had brought the Voyager videos around and we were going to watch, you know, uh, you know, the latest, the latest episodes. Um, uh, very rarely, there was only a couple that I ever watched by myself. So I never really felt like mine. It felt like ours and that we yeah. had given up on it. And then many years later, I was having a, a conversation with some friends at university and, and we were kind of talking Trek and it kind of put the idea back in my head. The DVDs were coming out in like cardboard sleeves, not big hard plastic ones that cost 70 pounds a box. So the idea of actually buying it on DVD and being able to watch the whole thing was a lot more realistic. And I talked to a very uh, <laughs> like-minded friend who I would uh, later live with. And we said, we're going to live together. It's only going to be for a year. Let's watch every single Star Trek. And we had this notion that we were going to do the entire thing in chronological order. <laughs> and we had, it, <laughs> we had it planned ridiculously. So he bought the films. He bought Voyager and Enterprise. He got the bum deal. I went out and bought Next Gen and DS9 and the original series. Okay. Um, so, so that was all planned. Um, and in the time that I was waiting for us to do this, because it was a long time before we were going to move in, I watched the entirety of Next Gen by myself. And I was, so I was uh, in my 20s by that point. So I was an older, more mature viewer. Coming to look back on every episode that I had always kind of gone like, oh, it's one of the boring ones. <laughs> so I'd be watching it, but I'd be probably sitting there playing with my Batman toys or something as well while we were watching. You know, where I'd, I, these would be the ones that would have me transfixed, the ones with moral yeah. dilemmas, the ones with issues about, you know, even sometimes uh, implied issues about gender and sexuality at a time when people didn't really discuss that on television. Or, you know, about Troy's having a baby from some alien that has essentially assaulted her. And she's going to keep oh, that it. Is fucked that up. is fucked up. But man, is that an interesting premise? And it didn't bog me down in techno babble. You knew all you needed to know. It told an interesting story. Yeah, it was all wrapped up within forty-five minutes, but that was great. Um, so, watched the whole thing through, and then uh, yeah, moved in with this friend. We watched all of Enterprise, and the plan we were literally going to watch all of the original series, the start to Star Trek Generations with uh, Kirk and crew and the Enterprise B, pause the film, watch the entirety of Next Generation. <laughs> like, we had, we had big, big plans. And um, then we felt uh, the pinch of two things. First of all, time, because watching every single episode of uh, Enterprise took us a long time. Because we were watching, we were cranking out two or three a night. It still took us a while. And then when we started to get to the, the original series... Uh, you know, it's it's got very different problems. Uh, you know, because it's an older '60s show, so it can sometimes just be a little bit silly. Uh, yeah. and coming from Enterprise, which took itself very seriously. Oh yeah. Uh, to have the sort of like, <laughs> you know, an episode ending, you know, Spock saying something like, "I find that highly illogical," and there would be like a little flute, you know, do 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 do. And everyone in the bridge just starts uproariously yeah, laughing. Absolutely played for laughs. Yeah. They'd have those episodes exactly where 
literally the entire cast is like ha 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 and then the, the music goes up dun, 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 <laughs> and then it would go off into the, the end credits <laughs> it's such a step change exactly from it was the a, rest of the franchise it was a real change of gear and we probably having watched the entirety of enterprise again felt a little bit of franchise fatigue and needed a rest so we started watching mamma mia every night every single night <laughs> It was great. Um, but that's... I don't even know that that's a story for a podcast, but it's certainly a story for another time. Um, well, it may be a story for another time, but now that you've mentioned it, you now have to do your Pierce Brosnan impression. I was so happy we had met. <laughs> he couldn't sing in that That film. was That was part of the charm. Um, but yeah, so I think that was how I came back to it. Um, so, you know, then I, I rewatched all of Next Gen. I rewatched all of uh, DS9. To my lasting shame... I'm actually in the middle of a Voyager rewatch as we speak, but I've n- it's the only series that I haven't seen every episode from. I think I've seen most of it, because I think I still continued to watch it long after I'd kind of given up on watching it religiously. So I'd still see the odd episode here or there. Um, certainly, this is a bit cynical, but certainly Jerry Ryan's appearance as Seven of Nine gave a renewed interest to Voyager. Um, I'll say hi um, <laughs> you know, that definitely all of a sudden we were watching all the tapes again for a while and I definitely I definitely watched the last episode of Voyager because I was like well I've got to see how to get home you oh know? I saw that one yeah yeah you know and again crushing disappointment crushing disappointment it was like it's like having it's like having a relative in prison who you've kind of given up on but it's like well I'll still see him when he comes out you know it was like that but yeah so I think coming back to it when i was older kind of coming back to it on my own terms saying that i mm-hmm. i'm not gonna watch this just because my brother watches it i'm gonna watch it because i'm interested um really give me a renewed uh, uh interest in it and a, a sort of a, a, a renewed love of it and you know i was enjoying it in this whole new way where i was yeah you know picking up on the more adult themes but also simultaneously feeling this wonderful warm nostalgia you know, every mm. time you just see the opening shot and, and we're in the bridge and, you know, they're they're doing something. Picard's adjusting his uniform in that funny little way he does and Riker's stepping over the back of a chair. It's just like, ah, oh, you know, it's like home. It's it's just nice. <laughs> Picard telling Wesley to shut up. Shut up, up Wesley. <laughs> or or ignoring <laughs> Worf's advice. I, I started to keep I started to keep track of random things when I watched it. And it's like, <laughs> Yep. This is this is the seventeenth time Worf has suggested a course of action and been shouted down immediately. <laughs> so I think we should fire. No, yeah. <laughs> I think we should do this. No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he would always, always always be like, right. So what have we got? We've got a space anomaly. I say a full spread of photon torpedoes. <laughs> mm, maybe not, Mister Worf. <laughs> no, maybe not. Seems like a dumb idea. So when I moved into my own property, my own house for the first time, and you're a master of your domain. To... Exactly, I had a lot of time to kill being a bachelor. Yeah, <laughs> I I did something similar to you, but not for the whole series. I invested in the Deep Space Nine box sets mm-hmm. uh, because, as as we've said already, that was my favourite, and I also felt that was the one that's more closer to being the quote unquote grown up Star Trek. Very much so. So um, I bought them all and watched them all in a row. And, and, and love them dearly so I kept them on the shelf but never really went back to, to any of the other shows um, Star Trek was kind of like this kind of almost like a remnant of the past at this mm-hmm. point and then for, for me although I still had that love for, for Deep Space Nine it's not that I didn't a bit like you Chris I hadn't emotionally cut myself off from all of the rest it was more just like 
I hope it comes back and I hope it comes back better, but I'm not, my life is not going to be changed in any way by pining for mm-hmm. it. So, and then in 2009, uh, there was the JJ Abrams Star Trek, which you and I uh, went to go see together. Mm-hmm. And again, kind of renewed our uh, ability to go see these things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and absolutely, you know, fell in love with that film. I think it's such a perfect gateway drug. Yeah for people and on more than one occasion this week as i've been preparing <laughs> for this i've spoken to people and they've said they might have said oh i like star trek or, i don't like star trek but they've all said the same thing which is i really like those new films yep. <laughs> and so i i met a friend uh just yesterday and she said oh i finally got around to watching all three of them i love them i can't wait for the next yeah. one and someone else said did the exact same thing they're um they're not star trek in that they are not 45 minute wrap up episodes where everything ends neatly they're a bit more action focused you know less uh, a bit more maybe a bit more humour mm-hmm. um, not so much about you know solving all these problems with peaceful coexistence as, as Star Trek uh, would want to yeah but they are high they're really well made high budget certainly uh, well within the the blockbuster frame of other films nowadays you know, don't feel out of place talking about star trek and into darkness versus transformers and all these other kind of films mm-hmm. that are coming out all the marvel films because they've got a high budget and they look it as yeah. well and i think he gets a lot of stick from star trek fans but i think jj abrams is a large part of that he reinvigorated that part of the franchise um yeah. by making it something that people wanted to go to the cinema to see and then after seeing that in 2009 and eventually the sequels something kind of stirred not in my loins <laughs> but something stirred in my it's like, heart it's like my heart's getting hard <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like yeah that's happening that's a disgusting choice of words uh, but yeah something kind of stirred in me i was like yeah that's what it could be but it's not that it was better it wasn't but it was very very good it was new and it was, and done it was fresh it had, you know, that dynamic Michael Giacchino score oh. and it didn't look like it had soft lighting and carpeting and it didn't look like it was an 80s procedural. Even, like, Voyager still looked a bit 80s-like at times, you know, because they kept the same... Because it was a blueprint uh, they were following. Because they didn't want to, you know, vary from Absolutely. It. They had this common blueprint which they would use for all those shows. Uh, Deep Space Nine less so because, and there's a story behind that, but it's a bit maybe too much inside baseball yeah. for this podcast. Um, but I just felt that JJ just re- reinvigorated, even if Star Trek fans listening to this don't agree, it certainly reinvigorated me. Yeah. But the final kind of, um, what kind of really tipped me over the edge back into kind of full on, okay, I'm going to get into this now, it was probably about uh, a few years ago, actually, was I was just talking with the wife on the couch about how I used to really dig Star Trek and how yeah. I was a big Star Trek fan and and my wife was like yeah you really were why did you kind of fall in love with it and we talked about it a bit like we're talking about now and uh, she started getting me gifts when it came time to gift giving and stuff she got me all sorts of things like replica phaser and all sorts and you also did the same Mm -hmm. you also got me some things and that was it at that point i was like you know what i'm gonna go back to it so i bought um the season-long box sets on blu-ray which by the way uniformly are excellent yeah the original series, Enterprise as well, Next Generation, all really well done with excellent, excellent extras. Uh, obviously in high definition. Yeah. And in the case of um, the original series, they actually re, uh, redid the, the graphics and everything. Didn't they? Yeah. they redid the effect shots, which you could either watch or not watch at your own leisure. You didn't have to. It, it looks so much better with it, though. 
it certainly is less jarring mm-hmm. uh even though as you said there's still a big step change between those kind of shows uh the star trek show which made in the 60s as opposed to the films even the original films like they're very different from the show in terms of that kind of aesthetic yeah. it's still got the good characters there but they're not dancing in front of a god there's not a green hand jumping out the sky yeah. to pull them towards a planet that kind of stuff but that was really it i think it was really my my wife my yeah. kind of wife's insistence that look you're not you know you're not you're not when i was in school chris i tried so hard not to be a nerd or a geek even though everyone knew i was yeah. i guess because i wanted to somehow appear attractive to women yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never happened <laughs> never will <laughs> i remember you using me for that you were like right just just I'm, I'm walking you in i was like okay why you were like because the girls think it's cute when they see me walk you in so just <laughs> go with it exactly <laughs> carry that folder it makes you look really funny yeah do that exactly <laughs> yeah you're such a nerd chris <laughs> my nerdy brother there chris the nerd but that that was it that was it for me i think the wife just kind of i was married i was settled i had reasonable financial independence so i was like go back enjoy it and kind of just start to to fall in love again and when it isn't um a continuing storyline one of the benefits of that is that you can just dip in and out and i would sit here um in, in kind of the spare room chuck on some old original series which was the, of course cleaned up and looking gorgeous in hd and, and just start to kind of uh, reappreciate them yeah. you know i didn't really get into the original series when i was younger so i start to reappreciate them and watch these episodes that i never watched i watched all of them so you're going through voyager now i, f- I finished my rewatch a little while ago and watched all of them all the all the all the, all the tv episodes again so with yeah. that said We've we've kind of come back full circle, Chris. We've we've went from growing up together with Star Trek to leaving it together, and kind of coming back to it separately. Really, yeah. Hi everyone, Steve here. Well, we talked so much about Star Trek for so long, we decided to break this one up into two parts. So, part two will be up in a few days, where we throw out some recommendations for the non-Trekkies amongst you. Plus, we talk a bit about our hopes for the newest iteration, Star Trek Discovery. As ever, we invite you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.